Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have Yaro Starak from Entrepreneur's Journey. And Yaro is a you know, well-known internet marketer and entrepreneur that has you know, grown you know, several ventures and is, you know, has a pretty popular blog on you know, how to grow your business. Um, Yaro, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Eric. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. So, Yaro, I guess, you know, why don't we start off with, the, with your background first, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, born and raised in Australia, although I have Canadian parents, hence Canadian accent. Uh, got on the internet as part of my university study, so I didn't really have any connection before that. I was more of a Nintendo and a, a Sega kid. And then uh, when I started university, I, I got my dial-up account and fell in love with the internet. That was really the first taste I ever had of, um, you know, basically, you know, 1999 type internet, news groups, basic websites, no social media, no video, no blogs, anything like that. But read a lot, fell in love with it, and then wanted to get into internet marketing and have some kind of online business. And uh, the first thing I did was start a... <clears throat> excuse me, a hobby website about a card game I played at the time called Magic the Gathering, which uh, any of the geeks will know. It's a sort of a fantasy card game that also has a professional tournament series, a bit like poker. And I was a competitive player during my uh, university, well, actually high school days in the first year of university. I sort of stopped playing after that. But I started my first website about that card game, and it became a moneymaker. It was uh, a small hobby sort of business. You know, I made a bit of money from advertising and Eventually, I launched a little e-commerce store on that website as well. So not a lot of money, $500 a month, $1,000 a month, but I really got a lot of basic training in internet marketing, you know, how to get traffic, how to take payments online, although back then it was sometimes just cash sent in the mail, um, and you know, really learned the ins and outs of how to market an online business which uh, led me to want to do something bigger. And that's when I kept looking for more ideas and eventually settled on a proofreading company. And my goal with that was to have a business that could scale without me doing the work. So I connected uh, proofreaders and editors with university students in what I call the uh, many-to-many business model. It's a bit like eBay where you have many people selling things and many people buying things and you, you're the middleman and you can scale. So. That's what I did with that company, and that was my first uh, full-time income business. So that one, eventually, I made about hundred thousand a year in sales, and I kept about half of that after you know paying um, the editors and proofreaders. So it was a good business. Again, taught me a whole lot. Uh, it was a, a great lifestyle business. It didn't require many hours to run it once it was set up. It was literally an hour a day. Just check the emails make sure things were working and uh, that, that was the job actually, forwarding emails between editors and proofreaders. And uh, you know, great business but the problem with it is I just lost my passion for it. I love setting it up but I reached the point where I just didn't want to grow it anymore. Um, however, it was my bread and butter, my income so I kept it going and uh, it was around this time that someone told me blogs were good. So we're talking 2004 and someone said blogs are good for uh, search engine traffic. And I had no idea what a blog was. In fact, um, you know, when you hear the word blog, you think it's just a website. It looks like a website. I don't see the difference. So uh, to learn what blogging was, I installed one on my proofreading company. And it was really hard to write about proofreading is the, the short answer. It's a really boring subject. So that blog was short-lived, but I did get to experience what the, what the blogging tool is like. So you know, the ability to have comments and you write posts in chronological order and just a few little neat tricks like that. The blogs were different from, you know, back then 
static websites were just, you know, like brochures. There wasn't a lot of updating going on. It was very basic content. And uh, from that point, I decided to start a blog about just my interest in entrepreneurship. It was purely meant to be a hobby. Uh, I registered this very long-winded domain name with a hyphen in it called entrepreneurs-journey.com, which, you know, is not the greatest domain name, especially now that we know more about how to choose a good domain name. But I was you know, still very new to all of this. And uh, I started writing about the subject that we all love. And, and I, by then, having run the proofreading company, the card game store, and had various other projects, I had a lot to sort of tell stories about. So that's what the blog was. I, I told stories about what I've been doing, how I've got traffic to websites, how I've made money, just different things as an entrepreneur. And it took off, which was surprising. I didn't really see it becoming my main business, but I, I, I built an audience and I started learning around the same time about really direct response internet marketing. So things like email marketing and copywriting. And I started following a lot of the guys like Frank Kern and uh, John Reese and um, Evan Pagan and eventually Rich Sheffrin and Jeff Walker. And I was also following the bloggers like Darren Rouse and Brian Clark. And these guys were doing great things with blogging. And I was combining what I was learning from them. And uh, to cut this story, which could keep going very well, long, keep going, keep it, going. <laughs> it turned into my main business. So I, I sold off everything else I was doing because I, I discovered a love for writing and I discovered a love for teaching. And uh, I turned the blog into an information publishing business. So I, I started uh, making money, of course, from advertising and also affiliate marketing. But I also became a, a, a teacher of courses and creating uh, info products which got me to the sort of beyond 100,000 a year to multiple hundred thousands to half a million a year. And then, you know, after a few years, I made over a million dollars thanks to this blogging business that I thought would just be a hobby to start with. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it's what I still do today. I've, I've gone around a bit and had a startup at one stage too, but I'm still in the world of blogging and helping other people to kind of break free from a job by starting a blog and selling uh, digital products and services. That's what I pretty much do today. Interesting. So, entrepreneur's journey. You said it made you a million bucks in a few years. I mean, how much you know annually does it generate for you right now? Well, you've caught me at an interesting point because, uh, as I said, I had a startup. So, in okay. 2011, uh, I had this great run: 2009, 2010, 2011, where I was just launching a bunch of products. I had some great courses. Had over 2,000 students go through them all. But I reached this point of burnout. Like uh, I had this plan to do more um, information marketing. Like I hadn't really structured my funnel very well. I just launched these big courses. I didn't have different types of products. One flagship course, and that was kind of it. Um, and I knew that I could do a lot more with, with sales funnel style marketing, but I was kind of burned out. Like um, <clears throat> I already spent a lot of time creating these courses, and I'd been blogging by then for you know, five years. It was really starting to drag on me, and I, I wanted to start up. Like it, it was simple as that. I got caught up in the the, the bigger, you know, multi-million dollar startup buyouts with all the apps going around and all those stories. So, and I had this idea for a startup for a long time and I, I decided, you know, I've got enough cash in the bank now. I, I traveled the world in 2008, so I, I ticked that box and um, I bought some property. So everything was going good and I thought, you know what, now's a great time, I'll do the startup. So I, I started in 2011 and I closed down my courses because they were getting outdated and I felt like that was you know, the right thing to do. I didn't want to sell dated products. So um, I kept blogging and maintained my income from the blog. It wasn't quite as large without the courses. You know, I, I lost a pretty big chunk of income, but I still made in excess of 100000 a year from the blog. And it was a very 
easy to maintain kind of income. You know, you write once a week and uh, send some emails to your newsletter. You can still do quite well if you have an audience. So my my focus went to the, the startup, which was a great experience, but it did become a profitable business. You know, I spent about two years there devoting the majority of my my sort of new energy towards this software startup. And it was frustrating because I wasn't in charge of creating the product. I'm not a software developer. I was sort of more the, you know, I guess the CEO type role. And that was a completely different experience to blogging because as a blogger, I created the product. I created the content. It was in my control. And I found that quite frustrating that I couldn't do that with the software company. It was much slower. And we only got to create about 10% of the, the vision for the product that I wanted. And then we reached the point where we realized this, we either get investment money and go hard or we close it down and I didn't want the responsibility of taking a bunch of money from people on a business idea that I wasn't really prepared to put in 12 hour days like a lot of startup guys do I just I was over that I, I'm a kind of a lifestyle entrepreneur I'm sort of a, the two hours here and the two hours there so I didn't want to take you know a million dollars from people and then they would see me sitting at cafes for a couple of hours and, and think that's you know enough work so um, to then bring us to up to today, I closed down the startup with my, my partner and uh, that was about a year and a half, two years ago now and I reached this point where I was like, okay, what do I want to do next? And um, I felt uh, rejuvenated. It was the one sort of silver lining from the startup is that I really came to appreciate how good a business information marketing and blogging is mm -hmm. and how it suits my personality really well. Like I like to write, I like to... Uh, you know, be an expert in a, in a field and, and have this small community around me and I enjoy being the creator of the product. And I also felt there was a big um, opportunity in the sense that I hadn't gone as far as I could. There was a lot of potential that I wanted to realize with the sales funnel that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. which simply meant that I had products in me that I, I need to get out there and I know people would want. So I made this commitment that I was going to create a series of front-end products and then I would reopen my main flagship courses and then I would create some new courses as well and you've caught me in the middle of executing that process so um, I've finished the four front-end products but to put this into context to your original question after the end of the startup I had taken all the ads off my blog because I was trying to experiment with um, traffic growth I had my traffic had fallen I was concerned it was because of advertising mm -hmm. I got it back up to where it was and because of the decision to take off advertising, my income obviously dropped. I stopped doing affiliate promotions heavily because I just got tired of promoting other people's products, you know, sending emails to push other people's stuff. And, you know, as a result of this whole experience coming back to information marketing, and also because the internet's become a much more crowded space, I decided I really want to be about digital products and services and selling my own stuff. I actually really get a lot of satisfaction from selling content that I create, you know, reports that I write, courses that I create, coaching that I do. This, it's a lot more satisfying to know that someone's paying money for my creation. Not that I have anything against affiliate marketing, but at the end of the day, I am just hawking someone else's stuff. And with advertising, the same situation, you're bringing people to your site and then they're leaving, clicking an ad, and that's how you're making money, which I, I like the idea of a community around my work and it's, it's really rewarding me. So part of that decision to refocus has been uh, resulted in a big chunk of income being taken away from me. So I went down to sort of bare bones, you know, four or $5,000 a month kind of level when I, that was two years ago. And okay. now that I've re reopened, or reopened, I've created front-end products, I'm, I've got 
you know, maybe about ten thousand a month is coming in, but these are low price products. We're talking thirty dollar course uh, e guides, and uh, I've got a, an interviews club which is thirty dollars a month. These are deliberately meant to be lower price products to get people into my world, basically, but then to become uh, customers. The tripwire, right? Actually, I do the tripwire technique, but certainly the the traditional sales funnel. I, I'm trying yeah. to introduce them to my world with a very high quality product. Uh, at a low price, so it's meant to be less than the price of a meal. Not quite the seven dollar tripwire tripwire formula, but um, similar in concept. I'm more of a follower of, of Todd Brown. He likes the uh, the twenty nine dollar product because it's, it's you know it's it's still enough. It's the cost of a book. You know, it's what you pay for a book. So um, I, that's what I've got now. These I created the products that I've always wanted to have. Um, I've I've done things like buying and selling websites in the past. So I wanted to have a guide on that and. I, I love mindset and productivity, and I did, just didn't have any products on that, so I, I created a mindset and productivity guide. Uh, plus, I've done podcast interviews like we're you know doing now for many many years, and I wanted to have a product that was about the same thing. So I created uh, an interviews club as well. So all that's done, and um, right now I'm preparing to relaunch my my flagship courses, Blog Mastermind and Memberships I Mastermind, and and those are thousand dollar programs. So as you can imagine, your income will Tends to jump when you've got the you know the higher end product. So it's it's been a, a deliberate decision to go with, with a smaller income for the last sort of year and a half. I mean, I had money in the bank. It wasn't like I needed to rush towards uh, getting back to the big numbers. And I, I really wanted to build the funnel. And it's kind of one of those things where you have to have the pieces of the puzzle in order to create the whole picture. So I realized that I'm just going to have to be patient and slowly build this. And I expect. You know, within a year, once the back end is there, I can really start to do the the proper automated um, sales funnel process with email sequences, leading people from from blog to email newsletter to front end product to upsells and you know continuity subscriptions, coaching to back end courses to high end coaching, and that's I got a good vision for that that I really like to execute, and that's why I'm teaching my students too. I I really think as a blogger today, you have to get specific about who you help and what you help them with and then go deep. You've got to have this range of products and services if you want to get to the six figures and beyond mark because, you know, as I'm experiencing, you can't do it with a $30 ebook. That's for sure. You're going to have to have the higher end stuff and uh, it, it, you should have it because people want it. At the end of the day, you, you can't meet the needs of all your customers with just one product. You, you're going to have to have a range to, to meet all those different demands. So that's where I'm at now. Um, not as much money as I've made in the past, but you know, deliberately, deliberately so. Got it. So you know, when you, what's the, what do you think you're going to be making you know, a month? You know, you're making 10K a month right now, but w- when you have your funnel complete, you know, what do you think you're going to be making at, by that point? You know, it's hard to say. My, my, my actual goal is to double what I did in my, my peak years. I was doing half a million a year back then, and that was with not much effort. Like, it's kind of scary. When you have the materials and you have a consistent audience, I, I would do a launch uh, two or three times a year, and I actually started sending out the same emails. It was incredible. You know, you do one good launch, and then you can do it six months later with the same emails to people, <laughs> and you make 100000 from each launch. Because you're selling a $500 course or two $500 courses, I was selling at one stage. So, and and you have to realize you've got new people discovering you over that six-month period. That's why this works. They're they're brand new to what you're doing, and and they haven't gone through the course yet. So, you know, they're eager to to learn this stuff. And um, you know, I hate to. 
I, I guess I always want to manage my own expectations. So I don't want to say I expect to make this much money, I guarantee. What I've said to myself is that I will teach these courses even if I only have 10 customers. You know, honestly, if, they, if I have 10 people in the program, I will go through and create them. I, and I expect to have more, but um, I'm doing it because I love teaching this stuff as well. And the beautiful thing about the situation I'm in is I've had people go through my programs who actually gone on and, and had success. It's been long enough that there's these you know, 10 to 15 to 20 people who are shining stars as graduates of my programs. And this is something I've not had in the past. I've, I've got these people who I can put out there and say, see, this stuff works. This guy's making 30 grand a month. This girl's making half a million a year. You know, this, this woman is traveling around Europe with her family and she hasn't gone home in, in six years uh, based on the income she's making online. And these people took my coaching programs and applied that. So you know, that kind of proof is, I, is very powerful. We all know, I think, that before and afters are one of the most powerful forms of marketing. You, know, you really believe something when it's not just the person selling it who's got a result, it's his or hers uh, students, customers, clients, whatever it is, are actually getting the results too. So I've got that now, and I know for the right people who put in the effort that that kind of result's possible. Um, it was it was good for my own self confidence, you know, to to find these people and, and see that they did the work and now they're making the money and they've got these great blogs and, and great businesses. So I plan to really market heavily with them. I, I already have. I've, I've gone and, and interviewed them all, and I've got case studies of them and. Um, they're going to be heavily involved with my email marketing campaigns for these courses. So, like I said, the goal is to get to a million a year in the next probably two years. And I know to reach that point, I'll need to increase traffic. That That's, um, you know, today it's very likely I'll be doing uh, Facebook advertising and probably using webinars as a, a, a conversion tool since it's, you, it's going so well for so many people. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I, I don't. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of half proud of the fact that I was able to get the half a million a year without ever buying any ads. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing, but uh, I'm realistic. If I want to go to a million a year, five million, five million, whatever it is that I, I feel like is enough, then it's just, it's about volume. You, you need to reach more people. And uh, I only reach a certain number of people with my existing blog, but there's so many more people out there you, you, you could reach, but I'm, I'm cognizant of the need to build a converting platform first. Like there really is a strategy behind this. You know, you you have to build a a funnel. It really is. You have to make sure your products convert. You have to make sure they're good products. And they don't have a high refund rate. You have to um, teach them, create them first as well. Uh, create the sales pages for them. Create these email sequences and do all that work as well as create a great converting webinar if you're going to do webinar marketing. And then you go and buy the traffic. You know, you don't buy the traffic and hope people buy. It's, it's create something that converts, then then go out there and get the traffic for it. So uh, that's kind of where I see it going. But I really want to be clear about something. I've never been about the big numbers as the primary goal. I've always been more about lifestyle design than about multimillionaire, mainly because I've seen what happens to people when they get on that treadmill of, well, I'm making half a million, now I want a million. I'm making a million, now I want two, now I'm making two, now I want 10, I'm making 10, now I want 50, you know, you always have another level you can reach and things tend to get really stressful at the big numbers because you have to hire people and in my experience, the more variables, especially when it comes to, you know, hiring, the, the more stressful a business you have, you know, there's only so much um, outsourcing and hiring you can get away with that it, to have a small business, at some point you have to get really significantly 
uh, involved with a lot of other people. And for me, that I, I'm an introvert. I, I don't see myself having this team of 30 people. It's just a cause of stress. I like the, the freedom. So I actually think it's hard to spend a million dollars a year as an individual, unless you're the kind of person who wants the private jets and the, you know, the, the really the big top end of the stuff. I'm, I'm quite happy with the, the ability to travel, uh, having that sort of freedom. And if, if you can throw five grand a month in accommodation, you can live anywhere in really good style. You know, you can Airbnb it. Yep. And I sit in cafes with my laptop and that's the kind of lifestyle I want. I don't want to have to go to an office, even my own office. And uh, that's really important to me. So deliberately keeping things small and elegant is a big part of the process. So that's why I'm looking at using email more than people as a way to automate and grow. So yeah, that's a you know primary concern for me. Okay. You know, what's, what's really interesting, you know, a lot of people, you, you talked about a little bit about a lifestyle business, right? You know, and, and other people talk about growth businesses where, you know, they run a startup, you start to scale really quickly, v, you know, you get VC funding, you pour money into ads and all of that. So can you kind of explain the difference between a lifestyle business and a growth business? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, they're very different, actually. Like, and I've done both. Like, my startup was designed to go after that massive growth, multi-million dollar exit. In fact, my partner with that startup is now in, in San Francisco. He went through the 500 startups uh, incubator uh. program with his next startup. And he went through Startmate here in Australia to get, get to the States. So, you know, he's well and truly in that world. And man, is he stressed. Like, the guy is sleeping two hours a night and uh, working really hard. So I think you know it's a young person's game to begin with to be a CEO of that kind of startup. Where a lifestyle business, you don't like you can do it with the kids and the husband or the wife, and 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 even the full time job. There's a lot of people who get started and they do it at nights and in mornings, and I, you couldn't do that with a startup. You know, it's not in terms of a high growth tech startup, you're not going to be able to. Uh, well, you won't be able to get funding because no one's going to give you money if you've still got a full-time job for starters. Like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but as a lifestyle entrepreneur, you're, you're trying to create an income stream that's very high leverage, low labor, uh, near passive. I don't think there's anything pure passive, but certainly near passive. And, and uh, I experienced that from the get-go because that was always my goal, avoid nine-to-five job. Um, I saw startups and I was very excited to be involved with one, but I noticed that I think because of my own personality, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, what's called the Altradian Rhythm and Energy Management. So Evan Pagan talks a lot about this and, and he follows some other people who, who teach about the Altradian Rhythm, which simply means that your body has all these two-hour cycles attached to it. So you've got the Circadian Rhythm, which is your sleep cycle, which is 24 hours or two lots of 12 hours. Um, the Altradian Rhythm are different parts of your body that function on two-hour bursts. And uh, the studies show that you have a serious uh, degradation in the quality of your work after two hours of, of concentrated work. So it's almost like you're silly to, to try and force your body to do more after two hours. You, you need to actually significantly change tasks and use different parts of your body to, to rest the other part. And that's the key part. It's, it's resting. It's, it's how you recuperate in order to work some more. And I found, having grown up, really watching how my body feels, I did notice that, you know, I spent two hours in front of the computer writing code to like design a website. I, my head was fried after that. Um, so I always changed tasks. I would go from writing to cooking, to exercising, to reading, to socializing, to working again, to, you know, to sitting in cafes, to walking, just keep breaking things up. And that really doesn't lend itself well to a high tech growth startup. You have to be prepared to sit in an office or in a, even in a garage, whatever it is, you know, 12 hours a day and 
if you're a coder, you're, you're a code monkey. You're just doing that. I, I couldn't do that. That's not my strength, that's for sure. But you know, even as the sort of CEO, manager, marketer role, I, I couldn't do those long hours to make it work. Um, I might have pushed myself when I was in my early 20s to just because that's what you do in your early 20s. Uh, but certainly not today. I wouldn't do it. So it's different goals, different uh, lifestyle choices. It's do you want to really go hard on one thing and devote, you know, basically get out of whack and out of balance for the sake of your startup? Or are you looking to create basically an income stream that you can spend two hours a day to maintain it once it's built. Like my proofreading business, the first one I had, it was really, once it was established, I built the website, I hired an admin assistant, I hired the contract editors. I had emails come in because I had a bit of um, traffic from search engines and I put up posters on campuses. That was my main job, actually putting up posters on campuses. And the, the work once the admin assistant was hired was almost nothing. It was literally two hours a week. I just had to respond to questions that she couldn't answer. But she would forward the emails between the clients and the editors. And I found myself with a lot of time. And in fact, it was kind of challenging back then because I didn't know what else to do with my life, having created this income stream that paid my bills. And then I had almost every day free. You know, it was like, well, I had more ambition. So I decided you know, I wanted to go after more money at that point because I wasn't making enough in the proofreading company. But you know, that carried forward. And when I grew the blogging business, once the blog was established and once my email list was established, um, I reached this point where, and to be absolutely honest, I was trying to emulate the, those email marketers that I mentioned earlier, like the, the direct response guys. I remember hearing stories how they would uh, write an email and make 30 grand. You know, 30 grand would just come back to them after writing one email. And I was like, that sounds really good. You know, how do you get the situation where it's just writing emails and you make money? So that's, that was the point when I added email marketing to my blog. And through that combination of you know, the blog to grow the relationships and, and attract people to my email list, and the email list really as the direct response mechanism, I was able to basically write one or two or three emails and have $10,000 to $20,000 come back uh, and, and my own launches to have hundred dollars to $150,000 come back. And that was, besides a few concentrated periods, like during the launches and teaching the courses, for the majority of a year, you literally would just write one blog post a week, write one email a week, maybe two, and you're pulling in 300 grand a year from, from that effort. And it's like, that's pretty good, you know. It's yeah. it's a case of what else do you want to do with your life. That's when you actually start wondering. Um, and some people just want to grow a bigger business. Some people want to learn the guitar. Some people want to travel. Some people want to be with their kids. Um, yeah, it's really up to you. But uh, it's about having the lifestyle that enables the power to have the, the choice. Which the I think the tech startups, it's more about throwing yourself into something that potentially could lead you to the kind of money that you never need to worry about work again. But you kind of sacrifice. Um, a lot of things in your life in terms of your body, your health, certainly your time, your friends, relationships, and that's fine for some people. And, and you know, I, I see where they're coming from. I, I would have happily done that when I was younger as well. But um, it is, it's different, two different types of people. But strangely enough, they all use the same principles. We're all using the same marketing. We're all using the same, you know, growth hacking techniques to get customers and clients and reach people. We should all be using the same, you know, email marketing and, and copywriting and, and technology and all the same tools and that. It's just the goals are slightly different and, and the strategy is different. The tactics are the same. 
Totally. You know, I, the world, I originally came from the, you know, started out as affiliate marketer, then went into the tech startup world. It's totally different. You know, you, you, everything you said, you're working 10 to 12 hours, you know, I was working seven days a week and it's just like, damn, this is, you know, you feel like you're making an impact, but at the same time, it's like, what am I doing to, to my body? Like you said, right? Yeah. Uh, so you're totally right. So I guess let's dive a little bit into, into building a funnel because, you know, everything, you know, like I mentioned to you, when you're with a tech startup, you have all this VC funding, they want you to go, go, go. You know, just let's, let's get some paid ads, let's go. No one ever talks about, uh, you know, especially in the tech world, you don't talk a lot about funnels, you don't talk about copywriting. So, you know, this is a long-winded question. It's a loaded question, actually. How do you, you know, how do you get started building a funnel? Yeah, well, it, it depends on your goal, as always. You know, you've got to know what you're trying to achieve before you do anything. Uh, what I found interesting is a lot of tech companies are starting to realize that the whole onboarding, onboarding process is email-driven. Like, it really is about getting people onto the list and then getting them to use the software platform through the email marketing process and getting good at segmentation, too. You know, if... Does a person register for an account and not use the service? Send them these emails. You know, does a person register for an account, use the service, but then stops after <clears throat> two weeks or, or only uses half of the service? Then send them this sequence of emails. It's, it's really about segmentation, targeting, and, and uh, you know, making sure you're sending the right messages to the right people at the right time. And that takes a while. You have to really start to think about uh, where the holes are and what you're doing, what's the 80-20 rule? I really, really believe in the power of that. So looking where the lowest hanging fruit is, what's the part of your company that's the most important that you could target your funnel on? Um, excuse me, it's got some water, but for a, a software company, I think one of the primary things is asking yourself first, are you doing any email marketing? The idea with the funnel is get people first engaged and then um, start to break, break them off into branches based on actions. And that's what you always do. So in my case with information marketing, it's pretty straightforward. You get people onto some sort of free based email list. So it's, you know, you're giving them a free report or writing a, uh, a sequence of emails, or it could be a webinar for a lot of people. And then uh, you're, trying to get them to buy a product. Some will, some won't. Those who buy a product then go on to the I've bought the product list, which will then send them a sequence of messages that takes them to the higher-end product. I think for, for tech startups, uh, one of the best examples I could talk about is webinars. I think a lot of tech startups, especially if you're maybe a web-based application, not necessarily a mobile one, but a web-based one, you, you might do a, an educational-based webinar to introduce people to you know, the whole concept that you, you help solve and also introduce people to how you solve it, so what your tool does. And then the webinar itself is kind of like the central marketing piece that you can define everything else about your, your front-end funnel on. So uh, simple examples are, send messages to people who complete the webinar. Obviously, well, there's different layers. There's the people who finished the webinar and bought, people who finished the webinar and didn't buy, people who only made it to a certain point in the webinar and bought and didn't buy. So you just have these, these channels that you send different, different information to. So if they make it to the end of the webinar and didn't buy, you send them this sequence that addresses the biggest reasons why people don't sign up for your service. You probably are becoming aware of the roadblocks, the, the, the questions going on in their head that are stopping them from making the decision to buy. You just address them one by one through the email sequence. 
bearing in mind that they've already gone to the webinar so they know the basics. You don't have to teach them that part anymore. Um, if they only made it through the halfway point, then you might be sending them the replay of the webinar. You say, hey, we noticed you didn't finish the webinar. Here's the replay. Make sure you watch this point because it's really important. And then you follow up with them after that. Then there's the people who buy. Obviously, you're trying to get them to use the tools. So they watch the webinar, uh, buy at the end of it or at some point through it. You send them, obviously, all the welcome information. And then you're monitoring, the, monitoring them for interaction with uh, what you've what you've created and then you send them different materials based on whether they're actually using the tools you available and, and you know you could show them them um, it, you can go as granular as you like with this but like I said it's about choosing the goals and then deciding what's the 80-20 goal the one, one that drives your income and it's almost always getting people to actually engage and then dealing with the rejection points whatever it is that stops people from buying and making sure you're addressing them through email, through blog posts, through videos, you know, through podcasts, things like this, and uh, keeping them engaged with your work. And email is just the carrier; it's just the, the transmitter of the information. So, um, you know, you can, like I said, you can do this endlessly. But if you drill down, make sure you have a list. And if anything, there's two lists: the buyers and the non-buyers. You know, that's the that's the starting point. If you don't have that, then you're doing something wrong. You know. Okay. Cool. So that's that's interesting. I didn't know you could actually segment your, your emails based on you know people reaching a certain point in a webinar. I'm not I'm not sure which software does that. So I guess why don't we kick this off? So you know what what's some you know important software that helps you? You know what do you use to to build your funnels? Uh, and we'll we'll go from there. Right. Well, I, as I said, I'm not a webinar uh, user yet, but I do okay. uh, know Webinar Jam is one tool that. Combines with Google Hangouts, actually. It's, it's obviously people know GoToWebinar. It's sort of been the de facto webinar tool. And I'm pretty sure you can get some um, plugins that will allow whatever email marketing platform you use to integrate with GoToWebinar uh, to pick, you know, drop off points and send certain messages depending on what they do or don't do. Um, I know Webinar, webinar Jam does that by default. It, it will tell you, and you can then say, subscribe people to this list if they dropped off early, subscribed them to this list if they made it to the end, and oh. so on. Um, and that's just a piece of software that sits on top of Google's free Hangouts on Air tool. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, there's, a, there's a few tools, though. It's, this is an area that's becoming more and more crowded with options. So you certainly can look around. I, I do like Webinar Jam, though. Um, I use Office Autopilot or Entreport as it's uh, changed its name, and that's my email marketing, customer relationship management, shopping cart, all-in-one you know, membership management. It really does everything for me, and it's it's quite powerful in terms of segmentation rules. Like you can trigger a lot of different rules based on does a person click a link or not click a link, or uh, you know, for example, it's something simple. Um, someone can, I, I can send them an email and if they click the link they go onto one sequence of messages, if they don't click the link in the email they go onto another. So you might be opting for the free report but they didn't click the download button in the email they got to give them the free report. So then you can say, here's you know, why you're not doing it, here it is, make sure you read page 10 because it has this until they click the link and then they move on to the, I've actually downloaded the report button. Um, uh, me personally, I spend more time on follow-up sequences that are segmented based on content type. Mm -hmm. So I have front-end products that are about certain subjects, like I said, buying and selling websites, um, blog traffic, mindset and productivity. And those are you know, different needs. A person who who's already has a blog will probably be more interested in traffic, 
where a person who's just getting started might want to buy something and hence a buying and selling guide is relevant. So I have these free email courses that you can opt into that will take you through a series of blog posts specifically related to that subject and then um, an automated kind of like a mini launch occurs in the second week after they join the sequence. So the first week I'm saying here's some information about blog traffic after joining the blog traffic list. Second week Here's the guide. I'm running a special for this week only, if you want to grab it, only for my subscribers. Uh, and then I might stop it there. On some of my lists, I'll have another two weeks after that of more information and then another chance to join. And I'm using like launch uh, techniques in the sense that there's scarcity and urgency, you know, a discount price with a deadline. And that's all happening through automated email sequences. But those sequences stop the minute they buy or the minute they, you know, create, complete the action. So in my case, if they buy the guide, they, they're moved off the free traffic sequence onto the I bought the, the guide sequence. Mm -hmm. And then the next step would be to send them a, basically an onboarding type of email sequence for the product because you don't know whether they bought the product and used it and you obviously want them to use it. So uh, you would then have a sequence of emails that highlights some of the best stuff in the product. You might throw in some bonuses that weren't advertised prior to that. And then once you've made sure that they've engaged with the product, you can move on to actually upselling your higher-end courses and things like that. So there's a lot of tricks and techniques in terms of tagging people and flagging them and putting them from one sequence to the next. And you could, we could do an entire interview on just um, the power within a tool like Entreport. Uh, Infusionsoft does this similar things. It's also very powerful. There's quite a few out there. In, in my world, Entreport and Infusionsoft are the main two that, that people use, uh, sort of the email marketing and blogger world. Um, but it's quite powerful. Like it's, it's beyond, for example, an Aweber or a GetResponse, which are email autoresponders, which can do a lot of the, the moving people from one list to the other and that sort of segmentation, but they're not all-in-one tools. They don't have the shopping cart function or the membership site function or you know, all that sort of customer relationship management. So it's a different step up, but you're paying more for it as well. It really depends where you're at. Like I recommend beginners will go with something like Aweber or GetResponse and then graduate to a, a bigger platform. Um, outside of that, I mean, there's so many tools now for doing this kind of segmentation. And the thing is, it, it happens at all levels. You've got split testing on your website copy, you know, getting them to opt in to, to the actual free list to begin with. Then you've got the management of the list, then you've got the, the, the split testing of the copy for the product being sold. There's so much stuff you can do. You really have to get good at 80-20 rule. Like this for me is such a guiding principle because there's too much you can do. And I need to make sure that I'm picking tasks that, that make a difference and um, give me clarity because I need to discard a bunch of stuff otherwise I get overwhelmed. So, you know, I pick the most important things based on my strengths and I'm a good content creator. So I'll always spend my time on tasks that are more about giving people content and using that to make sales, even if I don't have the best headline, for example, on my opt-in forms on my sales page, because I haven't spent uh, a lot of split testing time there, but I go where my strengths are. And, uh, and as your business grows, you can start getting more of that stuff done. But like I told you before, I'm sort of in the middle of building this, this funnel out. But, um, you know, that's where I'm wearing right now. Okay, cool. So key takeaway for the audience, you know, we got launch report right here and we got webinar jam. Those are the main ones. And then there's a thousand other tools. Um, great. Yeah. So, so, you know, what's, when it comes to creating all these, you know, it sounds like you're creating all these information products. You talked about getting burnt out before. I mean, how long does it take you to create a, you know, a, a course, for example, typically? 
Oh, it depends what size. Like those those courses that you know burnt me out. They're five hundred dollars programs. They were six month training courses. Um, they they weren't super huge. It's it's like uh, one of them was twenty seven lessons, and each lesson was three thousand words plus you know those videos, and I made audio versions of them. And it's kind of like writing half a book, I guess, in, in, okay. in that sense. But that might sound daunting for some people. But you know, as a blogger, you you're, you can bang out two thousand words in an hour. So it's 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 about sitting down there and getting it done. The good thing about what I do is you can create ten percent of a course, then launch it, get customers in, make some money, and get paid to create the rest of it, and also create the rest of it with the first group of students. So they're actually giving you feedback as well. Um, the guides that I recently released are the lower priced front end products. Mm-hmm. I made use of uh, content repurposing quite heavily in that. So I actually, having you know, written a blog for ten, almost 10 years now, but about six or seven years when I started thinking about doing this, I went through my blog and said, you know what, I can take these 10 articles and, and that can be the basis of a guide. I've got enough content there. I'll have to edit them together and, and write some new stuff, but there is probably 70% of the content already there, which is a you know, pretty big deal. And I think... Any person who's listening to this who is already a content producer, you've probably got three or four products in your archives already if you spend the time to put them together. And I hired a, a contract editor to do that for me. I said, here, take these 20, 10 to 20 blog posts, um, put them in a sequence, let's get some you know, table of contents, let's get some pictures, uh, do your best to edit together, bring it to me, I'll do a final edit, I'll add to it where it needs to be added, and you know, I'll, I'll change it so it is it's a bit more than just 10 blog posts linked together, but that's the basis of the report. And then I created some bonuses. So it was a lot quicker this time around to create these resources. And I, you know, I, I basically created three e-guides, um, 12, actually 14 interviews, six action plans, and another six bonuses to go with uh, all the three e-guides. That's four products. And that took me probably about a year to actually do it all and you know uh, bearing in mind that I was still running my blog and I was traveling a bit I moved to Melbourne moved back to Brisbane um, went to Sydney for a while so it's not like a full-time occupation by any means but it's it's a form of rapid product creation I really think that's something that you have to get good at as an information marketer I mean growth hackers get really good at lean testing right that's one of the things that startups have to be good at here you got to get your MVP you got to be lean you got to pick the most important thing and that's what information marketers have to do too. You have to pick what's the quickest path to get a product to market. Uh, often the quickest path is actually to sell a product before you even have it. And that, that's something you can often do. You could sell coaching tomorrow if you just put a page up and say, hey, I'm a coach, and uh, put a buy button next to it. And then you can record that, turn that into information products, and away you go. So there's always leaner ways to do things if you ask yourself. And I'm still trying to perfect this process myself. I, I look at what's slowing me down, what's taking too long right now. And I go, you know what, my sales pages are taking too long. I need to speed that process up. I know I'm putting in too much effort because I don't need the kind of sales pages I'm using. Uh, a lot of it comes down to personal preference and not actual smart decision making. So you know, it doesn't bottom line help the business, but I like having a pretty sales page. So uh, that's an area where I can, I can definitely get faster and leaner and, and do more with. So that's, that's really important uh, for every entrepreneur, whether you're a lifestyle or a startup or you know, whatever, a blogger. And uh, I've been doing it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's something that you can spend as long as you need to satisfy your customer at. That's the end of the day. 
you have to put something out that your customer actually gets a result with. So that can be a six-month course or it can be a 10-page report. Mm -hmm. and you don't really know until you start serving your people and it depends who you target, what level of sophistication they're at, what they're doing, how they're currently doing it, what's stopping them from getting it right. So really getting to know your customer is always the first step in finding the needs and the wants and the sophistication of their, their current situation you know, gives you the intelligence to make the right product and you can define everything from that point forward. Okay, great. And you know, the, do you happen to have a course, like a funnel blueprint or something that you can share with the audience? Maybe I can link it as well. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is um, bloggers have not been actually good at creating funnels. It's, it's uh -huh. primarily an advertising platform. People build these magazines and then they put ads on them. That's what blogging has been. So uh, not a lot of bloggers are sophisticated information marketers. When I started selling products, I think I was one of the first people who actually, as a blogger, relied heavily on email marketing, launches, information products. There's a lot of guys who had blogs, had advertising, did affiliate marketing, even sold ebooks, but they would just write a blog post and sell their ebook. There's no launch process, there was no uh, email marketing. So it's come a long way since then, and certainly people are more sophisticated, but um, a lot of people don't really build out funnels. So m my second flagship training course, will, which is not available, it'll be probably a uh, second half or towards Christmas time this year once I finish my blogging one, uh, that actually is what I want to really focus on. So I've got these two programs. Blog Mastermind is really about setting up the blog, setting up the email list, and using it to, to sell your first digital product or service. And that's like your, your basic funnel, funnel 101. And then the second course, Membership Site Mastermind, is about building out the digital delivery of a, a range of products and services and the emails and sequences to, to move people through this sequence. So the short answer is there's not something I can send you to right now, depending when you watch this. You know, people might watch this you know, <laughs> later in 2014. The best thing to do, I'm actually about to re, uh, well, I'm going through and doing an edit and then sending out the new version of my free report, the Blog Profits Blueprint. That is by far the best entry level for the whole subject of selling products and services using, using a blog and uh, an email list. So you can easily grab that, blogprofitsblueprint.com or um, Google my name, Yaro, Y-A-R-O. That's the, the easiest way to find me. Got it. Okay. Cool. And, you know, we'll definitely be looking for that. Let me know when that thing's up and we'll definitely link to it and promote it as well. Cheers. Cool. So, um, you know, in regards to, in regards to, I guess we'll wrap it up, you know, with a few more questions here. You know, what's one piece of advice you'd give your, your 25-year-old self? So for an interesting year to choose. My 25-year-old self uh, had ready, had the card game website and the proofreading business. So um, doing well, but not not sort of stable six-figure income. I hadn't had that. It's amazing, actually, the difference between 50 grand a year and 100 grand a year. I think at 100 grand a year, especially as a single guy, you really have a lot of freedom. You know, you can pretty much do anything you want with your life at 100 grand a year, especially if you're making it on two hours a day worth of work, which is yep. which I wasn't at yet. Like the blog business um, and what I did after that sort of really took me there. I felt pretty confident at 25 because I already was making enough money to live off and I had you know, a couple of businesses under me. So um, I, the one thing I would say uh, is I think it's hard to teach this because you don't know it until you go through the process, but 
uh, I had this con concept, uh, I call it the holy trinity of what I desire from a business. And I, I wasn't as clear on it then as I am on it now or as I have been for the sort of last five, six years. The, those three things in the holy trinity are, you know, it's not the father, the son, and the ghost. It's the, um, <laughs> your, your, the amount of money you make. So I desired a certain amount of money. I, I really felt that. I was capable of making multiple six figures, millions of dollars. Like I knew that was possible. I, I wanted at least a hundred grand a year because I wanted to make more than my friends who had gone off and gotten jobs. Yep. You know, simple as that. You often compare yourself to your peer group, and that's that's what I was doing at that time anyway. Um, you know, you're trying to make your bare bare minimum to start with. But first point of the holy trinity from a business, it's got to make enough money. The second point was it has to be very low labor, very freedom based. So that was where I guess the lifestyle business in me, the lifestyle entrepreneur in me came out. I really did want something that it could be nine to five. I didn't understand the point of deliberately being an entrepreneur to avoid a nine to five job, to create a nine to five job that you're just the boss of. It didn't make sense to me because and I really felt it actually because at one stage I ran an English school. It was a little uh, a project I started um, because I, I got involved in this, uh, this um, kind of like a government uh, grant program and as part of that program you have to show consistent income and my business at the time the proofreading one would drop in income around the summer holiday period because no one was studying so no one was writing papers so I started doing English tutoring as a means to supplement the income and, and keep showing that income and it started to do all right and I, I typical entrepreneur I started ballooning my ideas I'm going to rent office space hire teachers I'm going to have this big English school so I started that process and I actually went and rented some uh, space near uh, downtown Brisbane where I, where I lived and went to the office, hired a, one English teacher as a contractor and then tried to get uh, students into the space. And I realized very quickly within the first few weeks that I had to be at this office and open the doors in case a student would walk in or if there were classes on. And I, I wasn't nine to five, you know, I slept in too much. I probably did 10 till four, but I still had to be there. And I was like, this is not what entrepreneurship is to me. This is just a, a job I've created that I'm fully, wholly responsible for. It's worse in some ways. So, you know, I'm losing money on rent. And if I'm not here to open up the doors, nothing happens. And so that taught me that I really was much more interested, certainly in digital businesses. I didn't want physical office space. And also low labor. It had to be highly leveraged, low labor, near passive lifestyle type income streams. So those two things, the low labor passive income stream that makes you at least 10000 a month. That was the sort of thing I was you know, going for then. Mm -hmm. And then the, the third one, which is probably the one that I was still struggling with the most uh, at 25. And like I said, I don't know if I can teach this to anyone, but it's certainly something to think about. I didn't have a business that actually leveraged a passion of mine. It didn't leverage a core strength of mine, which was really something missing. So everything I'd done prior, like the proofreading business ticked two of the boxes. It was making not quite enough money, but it was close to what I wanted. And it was very, very low labor. It really ticked that box. It was almost completely hands off. But I didn't want to grow any further because I didn't care about proofreading. I mean, I wasn't interested. Once I'd set it up, I, I enjoyed being the entrepreneur. But beyond that, being the growth manager, no interest in it whatsoever. The card game website, I started it with a passion for the game. And that was good. It was something I enjoyed. But I, I grew out of the game. Simple as that. 
they didn't make enough money. I lost interest in the game. Um, it was at sometimes it was low labor. Sometimes it was a lot of work to go send off cards and you know keep stock and inventory and things like that. So I, I was slowly learning that there are better business models that I could use that would enable me to tap into these three things and have something that was brilliant money, highly leveraged, low labor, and I really cared about the role I had in the company um, that I wanted to keep doing. Like this is really important. Like all those businesses for me, they were three years to five years. By then, I just was over them. Didn't want to do them anymore. Blogging, I'm still doing it. I'm about to hit ten years, and I still love doing it. You know, I, I always enjoy the blogging process, the creation process, the you know, the the creating information, being a, a leader and an expert in this nice little niche community that I exist in. And that's something that's really important. I've seen, especially after going through the startup in the more recent years, to see what the alternative is and how good I have it in this space. It's really cemented the fact that I like to write. That's my creative ability. I need to be doing as much of that as I can, and that's where I can make really great money from it. I might not get the, you know, the Instagram or the WhatsApp buyout and have the, you know, the the, the one billion dollar uh, get the news completely incredible amounts of money. Um, and, and that's a rare outcome for any tech startup, but I think you know, the, the actual lifestyle I lead doing this kind of business is a lot better and I'll probably live longer as a result too, I think, because it's a lot less stress uh, and, and you can make a lot of money. Like That's the thing. I, I look at the, uh, the, the leaders in this space, like the information marketers are doing really well. There's a couple of companies, Agora and there's Linda. These are $200 million a year companies and they're just information marketing businesses. I don't necessarily look at them as the kind of company I want because they have a lot of employees and they've, you know, they've gone big. I look at people like Evan Pagan as a really good example or, or Frank Kern. Uh, these guys have essentially been one individual who have a series of products and services. They're great marketers, great copywriters. They reach a lot of people and sell multiple thousand dollar products and they have 10, 20 million dollar a year businesses and it's very low labor. There's not a lot of employees. I think they're almost all contractors for, certainly for Frank, I don't know if he has any full-time employees, but it's mostly just been him. Uh, it's kind of like a super high paid consultant in some regards. Um, and Evan Pagan, you know, he's got these information product businesses he's built. He, he, he's a great content creator. But he's also really good at leveraging the internet to reach a lot of people, and, and you know that's where I've seen the potential for my own growth. There's no reason why I can't get to a ten or twenty million dollar business just off the back of my own brand if I tighten up all aspects of the funnel and get a lot better at, at you know getting a lot of traffic and a lot of conversion. Um, and I probably can do that without full time employees. I need some contractors. I'll definitely need to get some great people at you know buying traffic and split testing and copywriting and things like that. Things I'm not great at. But if I have the product and I'm, I'm proud of the product, then I just have to reach enough people, and, and that kind of size business is realistic. And that's uh, you know, ten million a year. I don't know what to do with that kind of money. I don't, I don't know what would you do with ten million a year, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, you know, um, I, I think I don't know. Put it in the bank, but uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> exciting, so, huh? so short, I guess short answer would be, uh, you know, my takeaway here is that you know you focus on what you're actually what you're actually good at, right? Cool. Yeah. So, and at, at 25, I didn't know yet. That, I guess to go back to the original question, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd tell my 25-year-old self to start thinking more about that because you're not going to be in it long enough if you don't find something you're actually good at as well. Got it. Okay. So final question here. You know, what's one must-read book you recommend to the audience? Yeah, I thought about this one before the interview. Um, 
there's so many books and I, I really think people should target books based on whatever problem they're trying to solve. You know, if, if you're uh, trying to get growth in a startup, then study growth hacking stuff. If you're, if you're trying to grow a blog, study blogging stuff. Um, for me, one of the best books I recently read that I can definitely recommend that really ties into actually what I just said about finding what you're good at, but also because I'm, I'm what you call an authority blog teacher, I, I teach people to not build an online magazine full of multiple writers. I teach people to build a blog that they're the expert, they're going deep in their subject matter, they're leading a space, and it's because they love it and they want to be the expert at it. And that's all about becoming master at something. So a book that's really great on this subject that I recently finished, um, I'm an audiobook reader, though I don't read so much, I listen, uh, is Robert Greene's Mastery, which um, has kind of, I think in the last couple of years it came out, it, it got a lot of exposure. He does a lot of really good uh, research of historical figures and ties it into concepts. And you know, Mastery, is, it's a, in, in, in surface, it's a really simple idea. You have to pick something that you're going to devote basically your entire life to mastering because it, it's like a, a 10,000 hours or a 10-year process of going through an apprenticeship and you know learning from other people and, and learning from what's accepted practice in your space now and then finding your your... Uh, your space in that industry and then where you can innovate, where you can actually do new things and lead. And that's when you can do really well. And when you reach that point of mastery, thanks to the internet, you have an incredible potential for a huge business as well. Uh, certainly in information marketing as a master, even just as a teacher, you can do incredibly well. If you're a master programmer, you know what you can do with software today. So the great thing is you can do this from your home. If you're willing to share whatever it is you decide to become a master at, then uh, you know, the world's your oyster. So that book was really both practical and inspiring and, and actually very uh, entertaining as well. I, I love those sort of uh, you know, kind of Malcolm Gladwell style books where you get a lot of history and a lot of uh, stories being told to back up points that are actually very applicable to what you're doing. So it's, uh, it's the perfect combination. It's, it's a big book, though. Be prepared. It's not, not a short read. I think it's a 20-hour audio book, too, so it was, a, it was a long one. Got it. So put it on 2x speed, cut it down to 10 hours, you're good to three, go. 3x speed for me, three actually. Speed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've never actually done 3x speed. You know, I'll have to try that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, Yaro, I think there's a lot. I think this is probably one of the, the better podcasts here. There's a lot the audience can learn from you, and I think we definitely need to have you on the show another time. But, uh, you know, thank you so much and hope you come join us again soon. Appreciate it, Eric. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, good luck, everyone, who's listening in.